to welcome you to New Life Church. But uh, today I want to talk about a subject that I feel like every believer should know how to do, but sadly every believer doesn't do it, and that's fight. That's fight. And the title of today's message is, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. And if you're taking notes on our app, we have all the notes available. And I know if I don't have the notes on the app, y'all be ready to fight for that. (laughs) But all the notes are on the app. You can download our app. You can follow along. You can take notes from that. But man, fighting is something that, as a believer, we should all be prepared to do. But sadly, a lot of believers don't even recognize that they're in a fight. They just live their life just however they want to live and don't realize that, man, you are in a fight. You are in a fight for your life. The moment that you make a decision to follow Christ, guess what? You just entered a fight. And not only did you enter a fight, but you entered in a fight with someone that don't fight fair. Like, he don't fight fair at all. Your enemy, your adversary, he does not fight fair at all. And we just go about our lives, oh, I'm just loving the Lord. I'm so blessed and highly favored, and that's great. But just know, you in a fight. And at some point, guess what? You're going to have to fight. But then there's some believers, like I said, they, they're ready to fight. They, they, they know they're in a the fight. Some believers, they don't know when they're fighting. And some say, well, that's too hard. Fighting is just too hard. It's not in my personality to fight. I'm just, I just don't understand. It's, I don't want to fight. It's, why it's got to be so hard? Why can't things just be easy? And they have no fight. But the thing is, if you don't have a fight, when it's time to fight, guess what? You don't have any ammo. And the way that you fight in the spirit is by faith. The way that you fight is not in your own strength. Y'all ever watched a movie? And there's tons of movies I could probably name right now. They always show the strong mother or grandmother in the movie. And they always show she's the one that keeps the family together. But always at the end of the movie, the mama or the grandmother always says this one thing. I'm tired. What's she saying? I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting. And that's how we are. We get tired of fighting. And the reason we get tired of fighting is because it is we fight in our own strength. And as long as you're trying to fight in your own strength, guess what? You're going to always get tired. And you're going to always give up. Because you are not meant to fight in your own strength. And then you have some believers that they're fighting, but they're fighting the wrong thing. They're fighting for those wrong relationships. They're fighting to stay in those addictions and those habits. They're fighting to keep making wrong decisions. They're fighting to push against everybody that's trying to help them. And they're fighting. I'm a fighter. I've been a fighter all my life, like Oprah Color Purple. All my life I had to fight. (laughs) And they just, I'm just a fighter. Yeah, but you're fighting the wrong thing. You're fighting against God. You think you're working for God, but you're fighting against him. And you're fighting the wrong thing. But there's got to be something inside of every believer that rises up on the inside of them that says, you know what? I'm ready to fight. But you can only do that if you fuel your faith. Because when it's time to fight, if you hadn't been fueling your faith, you have no ammo to fight with. And this is, and I knew this was going to happen throughout the week. But on Monday, tomorrow asked me, so what are you going to preach about? This is this past Monday. Tomorrow asked me, so what are you going to preach about Sunday? And I was like, well, I've been thinking about preaching about 
man, just this subject of fight has just been inside of me. I feel like the Lord has been dealing with me on fighting. I'm going to talk about fighting. And, and I knew when I said it and I told her what I was going to preach about, I was like, I know I'm going to have to fight this week. It's like, I already know attacks going to come. And sure enough, this whole week has been a fight. But Monday night, I went to sleep and had a dream. And I was laying in the bed. This is in my dream. I'm laying in the bed, and I'm asleep. But all of a sudden, I see a silhouette or a figure of a man enter the room. And as he enters the room, it's like he's reading like a scroll or a book or something. I can't really make out uh, what he's reading. But he's reading something, and I can't see his face. But I see the figure of silhouette of a man, and he's just stalking back and forth around the bed. And I just remember laying in the bed looking like, you cannot get in this bed. And he's just walking back and forth, pacing around the bed. And then all of a sudden, I hear two people on each side of me, they start talking. And I'm trying to figure out what in the world are they talking about? But the more I try to understand what they're talking about, I'm losing focus on the man that's walking around the room. And so at one point, I don't know what happened, but the man came to, the, and I was laying like on the right, on the left side of the bed, and the man walked around to the left side of me, and he started leaning in towards me. And I'm telling you, I felt all types of fear from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Fear gripped me. But the closer he got, something on the inside of me rose up. And then I don't know if I was still asleep or I woke up at this point, but the closer that he got, I jumped out of the bed and started punching him. And I was like, well, if you coming at me, we about to fight. And then I woke up, and I was out of my covers in the bed. And like, I'm out of the bed. I'm out of the covers, and I just immediately start praying. And as soon as that fear, as quick as that fear hit me, the, immediately it left when I rose up and I started to fight. And then and I started to pray. And then tomorrow I said, what's going on? I was like, what are you doing? And then I told her about the dream, and she was like, well, just don't punch me. But the whole point of the story, that, and I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what was the meaning of that dream? And the whole point that I feel like the Lord was saying was that person stalking me was the devil, where he's just stalking me. He's stalking us. He's watching you everywhere that you go because he's stalking you. And, he's, and the people that were on side of me represented people that are trying to distract you from taking your eyes off of your enemy. And the moment that you allow people that side conversations, the people that aren't following Jesus, the moment you allow people to get you off your focus on God, guess what? That's when the enemy attacks. He attacks when you lose focus and you stop watching him because he knows he's in a fight. But sometimes, guess what? You don't realize you in a fight. But God showed me this. He said, but the thing is, when it was time to fight, because you have been building your faith, when it was time to fight, you had something to draw from to overcome the attacks of the enemy, which was my faith, because I've been feeding my faith. But the thing is, if you don't feed your faith, your spirit man will not fight when it's time to fight. What you're going to do is you're going to let your fear overcome you. Oh, my gosh, the devil's taking me. And you're going to stay in your bed, covered up, scared to leave the house, scared to talk to people, scared to go to church, scared to move forward in God because it's too hard. I don't know what's going to happen. This, oh my goodness, the, the enemy is attacking me again. I, I was better off not following Jesus. And all those things happen because we don't know how to fight. 
So that's what I want to teach you today, this morning. And this is a simple message, but it's a message that I believe all of us need to learn how to do. We all need to learn how to fight. Say, I need to learn how to fight. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the word. Open up our hearts to receive. Let us, Lord God, leave out of here not the same, but teach us how to fight, but not fight in our own strength, but fight through the power of the Holy Spirit in our spirit, man. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand what? Firm. So that means you need to build your faith. Because your faith isn't strong. Guess what? I can help, God said, I can help you stand firm if you hadn't been building your faith. Your faith has to be strong. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And I'm reading this one out of NIV. It might be a little different on that. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of so many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. You're going to have to fight for your faith. I don't know if you realize that, but you're going to have to fight for your faith. If you just think it's just going to come easy, I'm sorry for you. You in the fight. And you're going to have to fight for your faith. It says fight for your faith, the, for the good, fight for the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made, first made your good confession. What is that? When you first made that confession to receive Jesus as Savior, now you entered that fight, you entered the fight. Now guess what? You have to hold on to that. You have to hold on to that good confession, and you have to fight the good fight of faith that says, until I stand face-to-face with God, guess what? I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith, but you have to predetermine that. Because if you don't predetermine that you're ready to fight, you're not going to fight. You're going to quit. How many people have started the good fight, but they didn't finish it? Why didn't they finish it? Because they didn't know how to fight. It got too difficult. Things, I don't understand why this happened to me. They start questioning it started complaining, and they stopped fighting. When I was in college uh, playing baseball, we had this thing, especially in, like, big games, whenever you got two strikes, like, obviously, baseball, you get three strikes. So you get two strikes. And whenever you would get two strikes and you would, if the pitcher would throw a ball or you would fall off a ball, everybody on the team would yell, fight! You got to fight! Like, the whole team, at the top of our lungs, we would all yell, fight. And when you're in the batter's box and you look behind you and you hear your whole team yelling fight, it just does something to you. It was like a, I've seen people that were literally guys terrified of the big moments, but you hear your whole team, fight, you got to fight. It just builds a confidence on the inside of you. You just say, you know what? I can fight. That's what a community of believers is. Around. They're around you saying, you got to fight. You got to stand in. You got to stand firm. But guess what? Not every time that you're ready to fight that a believer is going to be around you. What about when you're alone in the midnight hour? Are you alone with your thoughts and it's time to fight and nobody's there to encourage you to fight? Then what you going to do? That's what this message is about. It's easy to fight when people are around you. When you were in school, he's like, you know, if your big brother, your cousins was at school with you, you could start fights because you know my cousins and my brothers, they're going to beat them up anyway, so I can say whatever I want to. I'm the youngest, they the oldest, and they're going to take care of it. You know, the people like that, they just know they got, they know who they got behind their back, so that's why they're talking. 
It's easy to fight when you know, but that's how we should feel about God. Do you know who I got behind? Who you know who got my back? God has got my back. Not only got Jesus has got my back, so I'm ready to fight, devil. But we don't always think like that. We always say, oh, my God, it's the big, bad devil. I ain't worried about no big, bad devil. He ain't no big, bad devil. He old slewfoot. He's a liar. He ain't worried about no devil. So I'm going to give you four areas of why we need to fight. These are four areas of why we need to fight. And we're going to look at four different people and the fights that they had. Because all these four different people we talk about, guess what? We can relate to each and every one of them. And if you can get these four areas and fight in these four areas, it's going to help you fight in other areas of your life as well. So you say, well, why we just pick these four? It don't matter. These four will help you fight in every area of your life. The first one we're going to look at is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, she fought for her freedom. She fought for her freedom. You can write that down. This is the first point. Mary Magdalene fought for her freedom. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some other women who had been cursed of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So you have once a demon-possessed woman that's now following Jesus. And I tried to research to find out, I wanted to know, how long was she demon-possessed? But I could never find the answer to how long she was demon-possessed. All I know is she has seven demons. She has seven evil spirits out inside of her that Jesus had to cast out. And I'm pretty sure, can you imagine how she felt everywhere that she went? People, they go crazy Mary. Y'all, y'all know she's crazy. Y'all better leave her alone because you know she got them spirits in her. And at any moment, she might flip out. You don't know which Mary. You might get good Mary. You might get bad Mary. But everywhere she went, oh, let me cross the street. Here come crazy Mary. Because when you're demonically oppressed, you don't know, you can't control yourself. You can't control your thoughts. You can't control your actions. You Because why? You're demonically oppressed by the enemy. And the enemy has complete control over her. So she has no freedom. She's bound. But one day, she encountered freedom in the name of Jesus. And when she encountered freedom in Jesus, guess what she did? Did she say, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate you, buddy. I'm a holler at you. I'm free now. No, she clung to him. She attached herself. She followed and dropped everything she did and followed Jesus for the rest of her life. Why? Because she was like, I know I was bound. I know I was addicted. I know I was strung out. I know I was oppressed by the enemy, but I have found freedom. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to attach myself to the person that gave me my freedom. But so many times, God turns things around in our life. He gives us freedom in certain areas. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate you. I'm out now. And we walk away. But she said, no, I'm going to attach myself to I'm going to fight for my freedom. And the way she fought for her freedom was this. I'm going to attach myself to Jesus. I'm not letting go. When the first, who was the first person that was at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead? It was Mary. It was her. She was the first one to tell the rest of the disciples, hey, Jesus, he's not here. 
Why? Because even in his death, well, so she thought it was his death, she was still saying, you know what? I'm going to see my king. I'm going back to the person that found my freedom. I'm going back to the source of my freedom because I don't lose hope yet. You have to realize I'm going to attach. If you want freedom, I'm going to attach myself to Jesus. And it saddens me when I see so many people experience freedom in their life. They know what God has freed them from, and then they walk away because they feel like I got it together now. For the rest of your life, you're going to have to fight for your freedom. And how do you fight for your freedom? Just like her, you cling to Jesus. Especially if you come from um, uh, backgrounds of strong addictions and bondages, or you please better believe you better cling to Jesus. I remember this one time, Tamara and I, we were, uh, we were dating, and we were at my dad's house, and I went in the back for something. I don't even remember what it was, and later on that day, we were talking, Tamara and I were talking, and I was like, she was like, your dad was talking to me while you were in the back. I was like, oh, what'd y'all talk about? He said, I don't know if he told you this or not, but he used to have a drinking problem. I just want to let you know, he used to, he had a drinking problem. And she was like, oh, he told me. He was like, oh, okay. And I was like, what in the world did he tell her that for? But the whole point is this, is that there was bondages and things that I was addicted to that I needed freedom. And I was, even though he said those things, it didn't bother me because I know I'm no longer attached to those things because I attach myself to Jesus. But so many times we get free, Jesus frees us, frees us from things, and then people bring up, you get offended. Oh, what you bringing that up for? Why, why, why you got to talk about Because you're not free. Because you're not free. Why are you getting all defensive? Because you're not free. Because there's still some secrets behind the door that you don't want to let out because you're not free. But when you're free, you don't care who knows. Because who the son says free is free indeed. So what am I afraid for? Even though we, we can laugh and it's funny now, but I, there was a time I was addicted and I was bound. And you know what's so funny? You, you talk to somebody that's addicted, I say, you can stop. Well, if you're not addicted, then just stop. I can stop if I want to. I just don't want to. But there you go. You can't. <laughs> what you're saying is you can't. Oh, I can do it if I want to. Then stop. Oh, I don't want to. Because you can't. Because you're bound. But if you come from a, whatever the addiction or bondage is, from strong backgrounds of that, you better cling to Jesus for real. Because just how bad it was then, it can get 10 times worse. Because now you not, not only did God free you, and then you knew to, grew to a knowledge of understanding him, and then you go back. So now you're left with the guilt of, I know the truth. I know what I should be doing. I'm not doing it. And the guilt and the shame just drives you back to whatever it is that you were bound to even further. Now you're in double trouble. Freedom. Mary Magdalene said, I'm going to fight for my freedom. If you want to fight for your freedom, what you got to do? Cling to Jesus for the rest of your life. I'm not talking about, well, I'm going to just cling to him until I get a little free. No, 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 no. For the rest of your life, cling to Jesus. Amen? Second person we're going to look at. This is the second thing. So the first thing we do is we got to fight for our freedom. Second thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to fight for our family. And the person that we're going to look at this is Rahab. Fight for your family. And this is Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. It says, now swear to me, by the, oh, I'm sorry, let me give you a little background on this. 
So there were some spies that were sent out to, uh, to, to, to survey the land. And when they went out, they were, the king was alerted, and he knew that, hey, there's spies in the land. I want you, and he sent soldiers out to go and find out the spies. And Rahab, she knew what the king orders was, so she came in and she told the spies, you can come and stay in my house. And not only that, but Rahab was a prostitute. Ooh, not a godly woman. But she told the spies, you could come and you could come into my home for safety because I know the king is after you and to attack you. So this is kind of where we are right now. So Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. What did she help? She helped them escape from the king. She told the king they went one way and they went chasing them, but they were actually there. So she protected them. So the Lord, be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all of their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep your promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. So all that, what does this mean? She could have very easily said, just spare my life. I'm good. Thank y'all for, for, for coming in, and I just want to protect y'all, but can you just please, please spare my life? She didn't stop there. She said, no, I want you to protect me and my family. Protect me and my family. But so many times, we're so selfish, we only think about ourselves. We don't think about our family. It's all about me what I have going on. I got too many issues to worry about y'all. I got too many problems to worry about, but that's your family. That's who God birthed you into. That is your, you only get one family. Whether you like them or not, that's your family. I don't like going around them people. They crazy, but that's your family. They crazy, but that's your family. Learn to love them. But the thing is, why don't we fight for our family so much? Because more times than not, we, we complain, we down talk them, we get upset with them, we get offended by them, then we pray for them. You will never have a heart of compassion for your family if you never pray for them. How do you fight for your family? You pray for them. When you find yourself complaining about, they keep making wrong decisions. I don't know what's going on with them. They know better than that. I raised them better than that. Pray for them. Because me and tomorrow, we'll catch ourselves all the time. Like, if we feel like we're like, you know what? I need to stop criticizing and complaining, and I need to start praying. Because what complaining does, it calluses your heart towards your family. And when your heart becomes callous towards them, guess what? You're not praying for them. Then you're looking for them to mess up. See, I knew they wouldn't change. That, they no good. They good for nothing. Always messing things up. And boy, we could be so critical and so negative of our family because of this one word, expectations. We put the expectations that we have on ourselves, on our family members, and that's not right. And I can tell you as a pastor, putting expectations on, on you guys that I have for myself, that is not right at all. So I, the expectations I have my, for myself, I do not expect that from y'all. Because sometimes it might drive you crazy to think that, like, well, you want me, whoa, that's too much, pastor. That's right, that's the expectation God's given me, not for you. But we can put undue expectations on our family members 
just because we feel like I'm pursuing the Lord, they should be pursuing the Lord like me too. Well, maybe you should just pray for them and love on them. Maybe you should just pray for them and serve them. And out of your love and service, guess what? Their heart's going to open up to you, and what's going to happen? Now you can introduce Jesus. But if they see if you mean just like them, you arguing just like them, when it's time to come, to, don't talk to me about Jesus. You're supposed to be all holy. And not, now you want to talk about, you weren't talking about Jesus the other day when we was arguing. <laughs> and then they want to throw everything in your face in the moment. You want to bring up Jesus. Why is that? Because you hadn't planted any seeds of love. When you plant seeds of love and service, what it does is it breaks down people. Even people that hate you, what they'll do is they see your heart and service and they say, you know what? They, they're not a bad person at all. They actually kind of sweet. What is that? Their heart opening up to you, and you can begin to minister to them. But the only way that you can fight for your family, like Rahab, you have to declare. You have to speak out. You have to pray unto God and say, God, protect my family. God, save my family. God, send laborers to wherever my lost family members are right now on your behalf to see them come to you. That's what you have to, you have to pray and serve for you. How you fight for your family? You pray and you serve for them. You serve them. That's the only way. The only way you can, that's the, the only way to do it right is to pray. What did Jesus do? Jesus rode with a man that he knew that was going to betray him. What did he do? He prayed for him and he served him. Pray, what did he do with Judas? He ate with him. He slept with them in the same areas. They traveled together. They ministered together. He prayed with them. He served Judas, even though he knew this man is going to betray me. He's going to hand me over, but guess what? I'm going to love him anyway. And even when Judas did betray him, and he, came, and he realized he came to his sins, if he would have came back to Jesus, Jesus would have forgave him. But the guilt was so strong on him, he just went out and killed himself because he couldn't realize, he couldn't believe, what have I done? It's that guilt. But if you serve and you love, you will always fight for your family. Don't fight with words that don't work. I'm sure you can realize that now. Fighting with words does not work. You might feel, oh, I feel good. I told him a piece of my mind. I've been waiting to let that out. That don't work. Because all you're going to have to do is come back later and say, I'm sorry, and humble yourself. But if you can't humble yourself, it's just going to be more time and more distance. And guess what that does? More time and distance does. Harden your heart harden their hearts towards you, more distance, pray and serve. That's how you fight for what? Your family. I remember my mom, she passed 2009, I believe. Yeah, 2009. When she passed, we were going through her things and we found her prayer journals. Every, and I still have them today, every single day my mom would write, handwritten prayers for me, my sisters, and my dad. Every single day. Prayers of salvation. Prayers that they would, we would find godly spouses. All these things. And so her way of fighting for us was to pray for us. And, she, and I looked at those things, and it, I was beyond shocked to see that now, years later, all the things that she prayed for pretty much have come to pass now. But she was sowing seeds of prayer while she served us as well. I'm telling y'all, it works. You want to fight for your family, you pray for them, and you serve them. Don't fight with them with words. That doesn't work. Your flesh might feel like it feels good to give it, get it off your chest, but guess what? You're just doing more damage than good. Pray 
and serve. Amen? That's the first, second thing, is to fight for your family. The third thing we're going to look at is Hezekiah. What did Hezekiah fight for? He fought for his healing. Hezekiah fought for your healing. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through 5, 2 Kings 20, 20 verse 20, 1 through 5, it says, About that time Hezekiah became deadly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave this king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. Ooh, that's an encouraging word. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover, you will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he ran out of the room and he wept and he, he just stayed there and waddled in his sorrow. Is that what it says? No, I don't think that's what it says. It says, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and did what? Prayed to the Lord. As soon as he got the terrible report, you are about to die, get your affairs in order, you will not recover from this illness. He turned his face to the wall and prayed, to, immediately prayed to God, prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, this is what Hezekiah says, remember, O Lord, I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of the ancestor David says. I have heard your prayers and I have seen your tears. I will heal you. And in three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. So as soon as Hezekiah heard the terrible report that nobody wants to hear, he didn't just go off in a corner and just cry to himself. He did weep, but he wept to the Lord. And he petitioned to the Lord, Lord, I've been serving you faithfully. Please hear my cry and spare my life. And the Lord listened. He, turned, he changed the Lord's heart. Why? Because he cried out to him immediately. What that lets me know is our source for healing only comes from God. It only comes from God. I thank God for doctors. I thank God for medicine. I thank God for supplements. All those things are great. And we need all those things. And God can use all those things to bring healing to our bodies. So anybody that tell you you need to take medicine, don't, don't, don't listen to them. If the doctor recommends it, you need to do it. But what I'm saying is, ultimately, even with all those things, ultimately, my faith is not in medicine. My faith is in God. So, yes, I will do what the doctor tells me to do, but I'm still looking for God as the one that's going to heal me. And how God chooses to heal me, that's on him. I'm just looking for him to heal me. So if you want to use the medicine to heal me, thank you, Jesus. If you just want to come and touch my body and heal it, thank you, too. I just, whatever you want to do, I just need healing. So I declare, well, however you want to use to heal my body, I'm looking to you as the source, not these things around me. But so many people get their eyes fixed off of Jesus and on everything. What do you think I should do? What, what you think I should do? You, you've been in this situation before. What, what, what should I do? I, I, what did you take when you was walking through this? What did you do? No, no, no. Jesus I know what your word says. I know that when you're on the whipping post, those stripes that you bore on your back, they were for my healing. So what does that mean? How do you proclaim your healing? You declare the word of God. 
you declare the word of God. Not only do you declare the word of God back to him, what it does is it builds your faith. And when you declare the word, it builds your faith to put you in a place of expectation that says, guess what? I'm going to receive my healing. Hezekiah, he poured out his heart to the Lord. And then he said, God, I've poured out my heart to you. I've, I've did everything that I can. I give it to you. And what did God say? I've heard your cries. I've heard your prayers. I'm going to restore your life. So what do we need to do? You, if you need to weep, go and weep. But do it in the presence of the Lord. Don't do it in the presence of Jack Daniels. If you need to weep, go ahead and let it all out. But weep in the presence of the Lord. And say, God, despite how I feel, despite what these, these situations and circumstances, these reports say, I trust you as healer. And, you know, healing is one of those things that's hard for people to grasp because they've seen it go either way. They've seen people heal, and then they see people believe and not, and not live on this earth. I've experienced that myself with my mom. My mom was a believer. I literally watched my mom die in front of me. Her last words were, God, if you don't help me now, I'm not going to make it. And she took her last breath. But with her last breath, she died believing, guess what? God is going to heal me. And guess what? He healed her. The thing is, we have to realize when it comes to healing, or just not even healing, I don't want to just limit to healing, when it comes to life, we have to realize that earth is not our home. Earth is not our final resting place. Heaven is our heavenly reward. It's our eternal resting place. And I guarantee you, as much as we hurt for the loved ones that we lost, if you were to go survey them right now, and you were to say, can you please come back? We miss y'all so much. They will say, I'll see you when you get here. I'll see you when you get here. I I'm, I'm, I'll see you when you get here. I love you too, but I'll see you when you get here. They're not coming back. Why? Because that's where we're trying to get to. It may not happen in the way, and I'm telling you, and those are difficult things is when you know someone uh, has been praying to God, and you know they serve God faithfully. And, God, and, it, and it, for whatever reason, you, like with Pastor Brown. I've watched Pastor Brown. He was strong. He fought. He believed that God was going to heal him. It didn't happen the way that we thought. But guess what? I guarantee you he wouldn't come back if he could. He's up there dancing and rejoicing in heaven right now. Why? Sometimes we have to realize that earth is not our final resting place. And healing is our ultimate Go, But here, while we're on earth, our job is to fight for our healing. And how do we do that? By building our faith and declaring the scriptures back to God. God, this is what your word says. I just want to remind you of what your word says. And I know that your word is true. And I know that you're a God that you cannot lie. So if your word says that I am healed, then guess what? I declare I am healed. So Lord, manifest your word in my body right now. And I'm standing on that until I receive my healing in my body. And you stand on that. And you declare God's word. That's how you fight for a healing, not just crying all the time. That's not how you fight. You're going to get tired of doing that. You're going to get tired. You, physically, emotionally, you're just going to get, oh, I'm just so hard. I'm just always in pain. I'm just, you're going to get tired. Fight by praying the script, praying to God and declaring the scriptures. That's how you fight. For your healing. And I'm telling you, when you get that healing and you get that report, 
Ooh, it's going to be so sweet. Ooh, the testimony is going to be so sweet. This is going to encourage so many other people. But guess what? Keep declaring for, for other people as well. It's like, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap for somebody else now. Let me, let me tell you. Let me encourage you. Boy, you get you some scriptures down inside of you. There was this, uh, I think I told this story two weeks ago. It was a lady. It was two ladies. One had terminal illnesses. One said, the doctors were like, there's nothing we could do. It's over. She said, okay, it's over. She died. Another one had the same type of terminal issues. Doctor says, there's nothing, which, nothing we could do. It's over. She said, well, I'm just going to keep declaring the scriptures. Guess what? She walked out of the hospital alive, Amen. completely healed, because she declared the scriptures. There's power in the scriptures when you declare them, and you not only declare them, but you believe them. That's the part, the faith component, your spirit, man. That's what you need. You have, and you're not going to declare the scriptures if you don't believe it. Because this is just a waste of time. No, no, no. You need to build your spirit, man, by declaring this. I stand on this. We talked about moving mountains. This mountain of sickness, I remove you. And I declare I am healed. We declare our healing. Amen? This is the fourth and final area. We fight to follow Jesus. For the rest of your life, from the time you get saved to the time you meet Jesus face to face, you're going to have to fight to follow him. And the person we're going to look at is Levi. Levi, in, Matt, in Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds to where to, I'm sorry, uh, lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disruptible sinners. Uh, verse 16, but when the teachers of religious law were, saw, were, who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to, to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Amen. So let's look at Levi, who later will become the apostle Matthew. Jesus changed his name. But before he was Matthew, he was Levi. And obviously, in those times, in that society, tax collectors were looked upon very negatively because they were looked at as crooks. They stole people's money. But guess what? They made them very rich. So that lets me know that Levi had a comfortable life that Levi was not wanting for anything, that Levi had all the pleasures, all the luxuries of that time that he, he could afford those things. He had a very comfortable life. But when he encountered Jesus, Jesus said, come and follow me. That man immediately left the tax collector's booth and followed Jesus. What does that let us know? He knew that even though in the natural realm he was successful, that successful success couldn't fulfill him. But we so busy chasing the American dream and success that we don't realize that you're not following Jesus. Or maybe you were, but at some point you stopped following him. Or you think, oh, I can follow Jesus and pursue success. Yes, you can, but at some point it's going to come at a crossroads. What do you want more, earthly success or heavenly success? Do you want kingdom success 
or success to flaunt everything that you've accomplished. But so many people want to flaunt their accomplishments. Look what I have achieved. Look at my home. Look at this nice car I drive. Look at my clothes. This is the latest of Gucci. And they, they want to flaunt everything that they have to show you I'm successful. Levi had everything, and he realized, it, think about how quick it took him to make that decision. This man had everything. He said, come follow me. All right. It wasn't, it, it, there was no time to deliberate or debate because he already realized this stuff doesn't fulfill me. How many celebrity millionaires, billionaires do we see? Oh, I wish I had their life. And then you find, oh, they divorced. Oh, if I just had their life, I would be so good. No, you wouldn't. It don't make them happy, so what makes you think it's going to make you happy? But we just see it and think, oh, if I had that life, they got the easy life. No, they don't. They're miserable. Why are they miserable? Because they're not following Jesus. And not only when you follow Jesus does he redirect what success looks like. He says, I want you to be successful, but successful in the kingdom of God. Because immediately as Levi started following Jesus, what's the first thing that he did? He went to his circle of influence and said, I want you to come to my home for dinner to meet a man that changed my life. And from the very beginning, Levi used his influence, his circle of influence, to bring people to who? To Jesus. And when the Pharisees saw it, why does he eat with such scum? Do he know what these people do? Yes, he does. That's why he's with them. And I know a lot of Christians, oh, yes, I'm just around the sinners because the sinners need Jesus too. Yes, they do, but they need Jesus, not you. You just want to be around sinners because you want to sin. When sinners got around Jesus, they changed. When they get around you, they go back tomorrow and do the same thing. So who's influencing who? But Jesus said, when you follow me, I want to use your influence to help people follow me. And I'm going to show you how to be successful in the kingdom of God because the currency of, king, of the kingdom is souls. And Jesus knew that if I can get this one soul, Levi, who was later Matthew, saved, he could go back into another level of influence that he could reach into that, guess what? All you got to do is just bring them to me. I'll get them saved. So what Jesus is saying to you is, if you want to follow me, go back to your circle of influence. Bring those people to me. I'll get them saved. Don't, I don't want you to feel the pressure. That's not your responsibility. Your job, just get them to me. I'll get them saved. And Levi's, or later Matthew, whole life changed because he redirected his focus from success, earthly success to kingdom success because he realized it's more important to follow Jesus than to obtain all these things. Man, there's some things in my life that I was like, for years, I like, Boy, if I could just get this, this would make me so happy. And then I get it, and a few days later, I'm like, eh, whatever. It was, it was all right. Because why? It doesn't satisfy. And then when you get I got to get something else. Or I got to get more. And you're trying to feel something. It's like, why I keep trying to feel? Because you're lonely. What is the loneliness? A loneliness from a relationship that doesn't involve Jesus. Not a, not a companion. There's a, only, there's a loneliness. I don't know if people realize this. There's a loneliness that could be in your heart, and you think that I just need a companion. No, what you need is Jesus. He's trying to fill that void of loneliness in your heart because he wants to be in relationship with you. But if you don't fight to follow him, then guess what? You always fill that void. You're going to have to fight 
to follow Jesus. There's going to be some things, some relationships, some, some habits, whatever. You're going to have to let go if you want to fight to follow Jesus. This man left everything behind. Jesus don't ask you to leave everything. He don't say quit your job and follow me. Thank God he don't ask us to do that. But what he just says is just give me your life. I'll show you which way to go. That's much easier. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead and direct us as well. But he says, but you're going to have to fight to follow me. Because you can follow him for a month and think, oh, this is good. But what happens about a year? And then two years. And then three years. And a decade. So what happens to that love affair back then in year 10? Is it still the same? Was it stronger? If you don't fight to follow him, it's going to dwindle away. Because you can always find something to try to take the place of Jesus. If, you, if people aren't in church right now, it's because they feel like whatever else out there that they're doing is more important than Jesus. And they're trying to fill that void with Jesus with other things. So maybe if I go out fishing right now, because uh, this cool weather or hunting right now, then I could go out there and I could find me some fulfillment and killing that game. It's not going to satisfy. It's go- that, I'm just talking to men because men like to get outdoors. And especially this time of year, hunting season, it's like this is the perfect time to be outdoors. And whatever reason, Sunday morning is the best time for them to do it. But they just like being out there. I like being out there in God's country, being in God's church. That's where he wants you. You could do that on Saturday. You could do it after church. But the point is, what I'm saying is, you're going to have to fight for Jesus to follow him. You're going to have to fight to follow Jesus. And why you have to fight? Because you're in a fight. Don't forget this. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are in a fight. And you're going to need the one behind you, Jesus, to be with you, to have your back every step of the way. And as long as you fight to be with him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to fight to protect you. He's going to fight to bless you. Well, he ain't got to fight. It's just easy for him. Blessing, protection, provision, promotion. What's your healing? It's easy. Whatever you need, he's got your back. But guess what? You're going to have to fight to follow him. Levi, he realized that, and I'm out. This old life, I'm not going back to that. I'm following Jesus. You're going to have to fight to follow Jesus. And I want to close with this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That sounds like a person that knows how to fight. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. What are his strategies? He don't fight fair. He gonna come at you at every angle. If you proclaim to be a believer, guess what? He gonna the things that you hold dearest to your heart, he's going to come after that. Yeah. Oh, those dreams and desires that you have, God, if I just, he's going to, that, that's, oh, that's what you believe in God for? That's what I'm going to attack. He don't fight fair. So you need the full armor of God to defend all of his strategies because he don't fight fair. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. All those things you can't see, but guess what? They fighting against you. They plotting against you. Oh, I see her. She's starting to come to church. She's starting to come to prayer. 
guess what, y'all? They and those evil spirits in that in those realms, they plotting against you. I'm gonna bring something her way that's gonna get her off. Oh, she, I can't have because I because this is what the enemy knows. If he knows that you learn how to fight and your attacks don't work, he don't know what to do. So I gotta go back to the drum, and then eventually he just leaves you. You know what? Let me just leave him alone. I can't get to him. But if it's easy for him to mess with you, oh, I can go on to the next one because this little something's gonna take him out anyway. I ain't gotta spend that much time with them. But they're plotting and scheming. It's not flesh and blood enemies. It's principalities and evil spirits in the unseen world. What I saw in that dream, that was powers and evil spirits in the unseen world. So when I punched, I didn't punch anybody. I was punching the air. But what I knew in my spirit was, I'm in a fight. It would just alerted me that guess what? I'm in a fight. I'm in a fight. Whether I want to realize it or not, and I do realize I'm in a fight, I'm not, get, I'm not backing down. Like, we watched them two guys go at it, and they, that was the most ferocious first round ever in boxing. And then the second round, I think it was over with because they were both tired. One got knocked out. <laughs> but the point is, is this, is that you got to learn how to fight. You got to be strong in spirit. You can't, be, you can't fight if you're not strong in spirit. Be strong in spirit. Build up your spirit, man, so you can fight. Fight what? Every attack of the enemy. Because he's coming at you. And if you don't prepare yourself, you're going to get knocked out. And then you're going to get mad at God. When all you have to do is build up your enemy. Don't fight in your own strength. You're going to get tired. Be like Oprah in color purple. Tired. All my life I've had to fight. Don't fight in your own strength. Don't do that. You're going to get tired. I'm telling you. Let your spirit man fight for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I did, I didn't purposely read all the full armor of God because I want you to go home and read that for yourself. That's your homework. Because I bet y'all like, why he didn't read the full armor of God? That's why. Because I want y'all to go home and read it for yourself to see what it says. That's a little homework. But Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us to fight. Lord, some of us are in a fight right now. We know exactly what the adversary is coming against us with. We know exactly what he's attacking us with. And I thank you right now that you're giving us the strength and the courage to stand front to face with the enemy to fight. Lord, I bind any weakness and passivity inside any of us, Lord God. I just pray that we will begin to fuel our faith, our spirit, man, Lord God, that we will fight, fight every attack of the enemy for the rest of our lives, Lord God, that we would fight, we would stand firm in our faith, Lord God, that we would stand firm and not be shaken, that we would stand firm and not be moved in any area of our life, Lord God. And I thank you right now for a, a new wave of your presence coming over us right now, a new strength coming over us to fight. For some of us, we've been in a fight for a long time, and I pray for those that have been in a fight for a long time that you would give them rest that you would give them peace in the midst of the fight, but they won't let their guard down, that they're still ready to fight. Thank you that they would take a new grip with their tired and weary hands, but all the while they know that their hope comes from you. And I thank you for it right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just gonna, before we close, I just wanna give a final opportunity for those that wanna come into a relationship with the Lord. You can bow your head and close your eyes and.
The last point we talked about, fight to follow Jesus. You're going to have to fight to follow Jesus. Some time, some seasons are going to be easier than others, but ultimately you're going to have to fight to follow Jesus. But if you're in a place right now where you realize I'm not in a relationship with Jesus at all, maybe you're online watching and you say, I'm not in a relationship with God, but I want to be. I want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity to get your life right with God so you can fight the good fight of faith. So with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in the sanctuary or you're online, I just want to give you that moment. This is your moment. So if you're in the sanctuary with no one looking around, if you want to come into right relationship with God, just lift your hands right now and I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand if you want to come in right relationship with God. Amen. 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 And I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart. And if you're online, you can do the same. Place your hand over your heart and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you that you conquered death, hell in the grave, and victory for me. I receive my freedom. I receive my salvation. I receive my victory right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for setting me free, for washing away all of my sin. And I thank you that you're teaching me to fight, to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning for those that made that decision to follow God. And man, if you made that decision, if you're in a sanctuary and the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back of it, it says, uh, I made a decision. Fill that out and drop it off in the offering bucket on the way out. And we love to connect with you. And if you're online and you prayed that prayer, uh, just drop a comment in the comment, se in the comment section saying I made a decision that we would like to follow up with you as well. Well, man, that's it. Let's get ready to rumble. Learn how to fight, but fight in the spirit. Amen? Amen. But before we dismiss those online, I want to pray for those that are prepared to give. Uh, there's a couple ways that you can give. You can go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org. You can go to our webpage. You can give on our homepage. It says give online. Click that tab, or you can download our app. You can give on the app, or you can mail in a check a money order, but let's just pray for the uh, those that are online that are prepared to give, and then you guys online are dismissed. Lord, I thank you right now for the tithe that's coming in today. I thank you that, Lord God, that you know all of our needs, Lord God, and I pray that you meet in all of our needs as we generously give to you. I pray a prayer of blessing over each and every family, over each and every household, Lord God, that there will be no lack. I pray that you provide more than enough, Lord God, of the overflow from heaven, Lord God, that the blessing of Abraham falls on each and every household as they give. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. We love to invite you to prayer this Wednesday at 630. And also, next Sunday is Water Baptism Sunday. So if you want to get water baptized, you're more than welcome to join us uh, next Sunday, October 30th, to get water baptized. All you have to do is just email info at newlife mobile.org to uh, let us know you want to be baptized and we'll get you connected for that. We well, hope you guys have a great week. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Amen.